All right. Welcome back, everyone. Finally, to another episode of the Open Source Sports Podcast. My name is Ron Yurko. I am soon to be an assistant teaching professor, uh, statistics and data science at Carnegie Mellon University. I am one of the co-hosts of the podcast, along with uh, Kostas Polekrenis, and I'm a faculty member of the School of Computing and Information at the University of Pittsburgh. And we are very excited today for episode nine of the podcast, uh, an examination of the Olympic sports climbing competition format and scoring system. This paper was actually the winner of last year's uh, Carnegie Mellon Sports Analytics Conference Reproducible Research Competition. Uh, and our, our guest for today is Kwong Wen, completed Master's of Science in Applied Statistics that I'm going to screw this up when I say it, but I'm just going to go with it anyway. Uh, Loyola University, Chicago in 2021. Uh, recently spent the spring 2022 semester working as an instructor in the Department of Math and Stats there. Uh, completed his undergrad degree in math and data science at Wittenberg University in Springfield, Ohio. Uh, his current interest includes statistics in sports, data science, statistics, and data science education and reproducibility. He's a diehard supporter of Manchester United, the Premier League. And last but not least, something I'm excited about is that Kwong will be joining the Department of Statistics and Data Science at CMU as a first year PhD student this coming fall 2022. Uh, so thank you for joining us, Kwong. Yeah, thank you for the invitation to come on and really looking forward to talking about the paper and also hopefully some of the um, behind the scenes stuff um, about this project. Nice, nice. And yeah, so for context, this, this paper is published in the Journal of Data Science. So when we refer to the paper, uh, when I refer to the paper, I'll, in terms of like the page numbers, uh, that version, which is in the show notes, uh, is what I'll be talking about. And so this is also joint work with Hannah Butler and the one and only Gregory J. Matthews. All right. So with that, I'm going to transition to, as we usually do, uh, what is what was the motivation for this paper and this project? So um, here's the story of how we, we started this project. Um, this is still a kind of fresh in my mind since it all happened like not that long ago, like literally less than one year ago. So <clears throat> obviously I started at Loyola um, in the fall of 2020 for my master's. Greg was my professor there and took a few classes with him. And I, I also started working on with him um, on a different project from the very beginning. But then um, during the summer of 2021, if I recall correctly, um, the day uh, that we started thinking about this project was like early July 2021. It's actually during like the quarterfinals of the Euro soccer tournament. And then literally that morning, Greg sort of saw a post on Twitter about this weird Olympic sport, obviously sports climbing. And the thing that immediately got his attention was um, how the scoring in climbing was calculated. Obviously, it's ranked products and obtained by um, multiplying the scores, the three climbing events, speed, bouldering, and lead. It's like, we, we've never seen anything like this before. And I mean, it's common to like maybe add the ranks together and maybe take an average or something. But, you know, rank product, um, this is new. <clears throat> and then Greg then tweeted at me 
I think I actually mentioned that tweet in my slides when I presented at CMSAC. Um, then he was like, hey, I have an idea for a quick project on this um, one sport, sport climbing, um, any interest in doing this? And, and I'm like, yeah. And so we, 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 we quickly um, met on Zoom, literally like during the short break in between the Euro soccer matches that happened on that day. Like literally that, that we, had, we had that 15 minute break and we met, um, I think it was like Switzerland versus Spain, and Italy versus Belgium. Those are the matches, if I remember correctly. Um, so then we just quickly did some research about the sport, and, you know, just going through different um, websites. And we saw a bunch of like concerns regarding this format at the Olympics. So as many climbers thought, this sort of um, quote unquote um, triathlon with three events being combined together, like doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> so we were like, okay, we can um, definitely do something here. Maybe write up um, a few blog posts or and th then like pitch this to some media outlet like 538 or like the whatever, or something like a small note or like a letter to some, to some journal, but not like a big paper or anything at that point. And obviously our goal was to have something done really before the start of climbing at Tokyo 2020 Olympics, which obviously was held in 2021 because of COVID. Let's do it. Um, so that's the story of how me and Greg got started with this project. <clears throat> For our third member, the third author of the paper, Hannah. <clears throat> so unsurprisingly, if, if you know Greg, um, once he becomes interested in something, he, he will start like tweeting nonstop about it. And so Greg did a few tweets about climbing like over the next few days after we first talked about the project and those got Hannah's attention. <clears throat> so Hannah is currently a PhD student in stats at uh, Colorado State. So she also did the same master's in applied stats degree as me at Loyola. And I think she was like two cohorts before me maybe. Um, and so, and mo most importantly, she, she, she's an avid climber. Um, climbing is a big hobby for her. <clears throat> and she, she had also been like following professional climbing a little bit. And obviously she knew about this weird format at the Olympics. And so, yeah, we loved someone with some, I'd say climbing expertise to join. And so we, we welcomed her on board. So, so that's how our group was um, formed. And I guess I can talk about like what we're trying to do now. Um, so as I, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, our goal initially was we're just to do something simple, like a quick note or several blog posts. So we, we started looking into things that we could try to do. So things like um, a, a quick simulation study to um, look at wind probabilities of like advancing given certain conditions, like the scoring distribution for each of the rounds at the Olympics, things like that. And can, can we get data from previous competitions uh, and do analyses? And the answer is obviously yes, but we were able to do that um, through um, various tools and methods. I'm happy to talk about like some of the challenges with getting data later on as well. Um, and like, can we find literature and like previous work on rank aggregation in sports and specifically for like multi-event sport like um, climbing? And this is where we stumbled into um, social choice theory, voting systems, uh, the independence of relevant alternatives, and the idea behind, or the idea of doing a sort of like leave one climber out analysis, which ultimately becomes 
like a major part of the paper. So that's how we get, that's how we got started. In terms of the, I guess I can talk about like the timeline of this whole project as well, because we, 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 we finished it. Um, so first of all, we have the blog post. So I wrote three of those maybe. Um, so if you go to my website, uh, my, my blog, um, I can share that on, with you guys. You can put it in the show notes later on. Um, they're still up there. So those are just some preliminary results, I guess. And after that, during like the fall of 2021, there were um, a few sports conferences and we all agreed that we should submit something because it, it's sports climbing and like no one has ever done anything on it. Um, so our input would sort of at least like contribute to the, the diversity maybe of the sports presented at those conferences. So that, that was our sort of thoughts. So Greg was sort of being pessimistic about our submission, he was like, uh, we're not gonna win anything, it's sports climbing, our work's too simple, things like that. I'm pretty sure there's like a clip of him saying that somewhere on Twitter that I sort of captured. But anyway, so we first submitted actually a poster to the Yukon Sports Analytics Conference. So by the way, this is a great, great conference. It's usually how early, early October, I think. I think they're doing it again this year, and I highly recommend everyone to check out, um, especially if you're a student, since it is designed specifically for students. So I presented a post there, got great feedback, which is awesome. Then obviously the next big, um, I guess, milestone for this project is uh, you guys' conference at Carnegie Mellon. So after we submitted the abstract and the abstract got accepted, that's where we, we started writing the actual paper which was mid-October. And obviously we, we were fortunate enough to, um, to make it to the final. And we, we got great feedback as well from the anonymous reviewers at the conference, which um, sort of helped us, helped us a lot in like improving the paper. And so after the conference, we just, we worked on all of the revising. Um, we were trying to improve a lot of things for a paper and then we, we submitted to, the Journal of Data Science um, um, for review, and then the paper just recently got accepted for publication. So that's the story behind this whole project. All right, yeah, no, thanks for that whole, the, the history of the project. So I'm gonna dive in, um, well, maybe first is actually just talk about uh, when with sport climbing, these three disciplines that are being multiplied together, their ranks. And can you, you give some context about, okay, why that was a bad idea? And I think you outlined this very well in the paper, uh, even with discussion from actual climbers uh, discussing this, but can you, can you provide a little bit more? Sure. So obviously there are three events at the Olympics for sports climbing um speed climbing um bouldering elite climbing and like like you just said only one set of medals is allowed per like a gender event at tokyo 2020 they decided to sort of create this competition combining all three disciplines together so for speed climbing it, it's just like the sprint in um track and field where you just try to reach the finish line, um, like the top of the wall, as fast as you can. Whereas for the other two, um, 
um, for bouldering, it, it's more like a problem solving discipline. Um, so they have like a certain amount of time to like figure out how to like get to um, um, solve a bunch of problems, basically test like their hand and foot holds and basically it's a problem solving um, event. In terms of lead climbing, um, it, it is based on um, like the highest hold reach and whether or not that hole is controlled. So you gotta be able to achieve like a, a stable position um, on that hole. Um, so that's lead. So the difference between um, speed versus bouldering and lead is that speed is just speed. You just try to get there as fast as you can. Whereas for bouldering and lead, those two are more like um, requires things like you know endurance and maybe strength things like that so people would train like differently um for um those two events compared to speed and they're like more skill crossover like i just mentioned between bouldering and lead compared to just speed it's just you just race it so a good analogy for this if you think about track and field this is this is uh the one that greg matthews sort of came up with just imagine Usain Bolt participating in like a triathlon with his sort of um specialty which is like 100 meter dash and then he, we asked him to do also two sort of mid distance runs like 800 and 1500 meters then he's not going to perform well because he, he he's a speed specialist specialist not like two middle distance runner um those two uh, middle running middle distance running events and that that was also one of the concerns that those climbers had that i sort of outlined in the paper so they, they think that speed climbing is like a sport within it's like a, a separate sport within the sport of sport climbing whereas lead and bouldering there are more connection between those two compared to speed so got it got it the um okay so Given that background, I think we should dive into like the overall steps for the simulations you were conducting. And just let, let's just like even walk through that process and, and why you went about the way you did. Um, yeah, sure. So we also have like a history of this whole simulation thing. So our simulation has evolved a lot over time. So obviously the goal is just to, as I mentioned earlier, to look at different um, features of um, rank product scoring in sports climbing. So probably if someone finishing first in each round, given certain placements um, in any of the disciplines and like what is the, the expected score for each, for each uh, placement on the leaderboards. So we, we had three different versions of this simulation study. So if you check out our, our paper submission on archive, there are three submitted versions. The, the earliest one is the one we submitted to um, Carnegie Mellon Sports Analytics Conference, which you can also find on the conference website, I think. The second one is the version we submitted to the, the journal for review. And the third and the final version is what we ended up with and it appears on our published work. Um, so I guess I can walk through all three of them because there is some evolution going on, I guess. So first one, the Carnegie Mellon Sports Analytics Conference one. So we started out with a very simple simulation approach. We, we made a lot of like simplifying assumptions. 
And those are um, independence among the, the climbing disciplines and uniform ranks. So this is for the first version. So basically we assume that the three climbing events, speed, bouldering, and lead are independent of one another, which obviously we found not to be true, but just for the sake of simplicity back then. <clears throat> As for um, uniform ranks, um, the ranks within each climbing discipline are randomly drawn from a uniform distribution from between one and eight for finals and or, yeah, and then one to 20 for qualification. <clears throat> so after we submitted our paper to CMSAC uh, and received the review of feedback, at least three or four of them <clears throat> were sort of curious about whether we can make the submission study more realistic <clears throat> to account for the difference um, in the ranks between the three disciplines. Like how do we incorporate the correlation that exists between lead and bouldering? And furthermore, can we generate data that sort of matches the observed um, correlations in the empirical data? So these, these are like the main things that about the paper that we try to improve after the uh, reproducible research competition. So how, how do we actually do that is the question. And so in order to introduce dependence in the ranks um, between lead and bouldering, um, we, there are two methods that we considered. Um, so I'm gonna talk about, I guess, both of them. Um, so the first one we tried, although this did not end up in the final paper, but I think it's still worth being mentioned a little bit here. So this was in um, implementation of the paper, I have that written here somewhere. Um, inducing any feasible level of correlation to bivariate data with any marginals. Um, published in the, uh, the, the American Statistician by um, Hakan Demutis um, in 2019, I think. Um, and this can be found of our second version on archive. If you wanna go back and look at that. Um, <clears throat> so a, a quick little story of how we came across this piece of work. So the guy who, who, who wrote this paper, Hakan Demutis, is, is, is a professor at UIC, University of Illinois in Chicago. To, he came to Loyola to give a talk on this particular topic. So I think that talk actually took place like the same week of Carnegie Mellon Sports Analytics Conference, like literally during the week, like two or three days before CMSAC. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't actually there, but Greg did show up and he was listening. And obviously by then we already got the re review of feedback back to us. And he was like, oh my God, this is it. Um, this is exactly what we need. So this solves our simulation question so, I mean, here, like, what are the odds, right? Like, it's just one of the things where you, you don't know how to do something, and then someone just randomly shows up and he has the answer for you. Um, but this is not what we ended up with for a few reasons. Um, so after we submitted our paper to the journal, a small issue with our, this, this method um, was pointed out and they suggested us to instead um, use the method of copulas to generate data with uh, a dependent structure. Um, and so a quick definition of copula for the listeners, I guess, who might be interested in that is, um, I think an n-dimensional copula is like a multivariate um, distribution function with certain uniform marginals. I mean, none, none of us had, has had, had had um, any prior experience working with copulas prior to this, but um, we were able to quickly figure out um, 
from a couple of helpful resources. Um, so I, I highly recommend two things. Um, so there's a book named Elements of Copula Modeling with R. And it is also accompanied by the Copula package in R. Um, these two are written by the same set of authors. I think Hofer is like the, the first author of these two things. Um, but they both provide good, a good overview of copula modeling and simulation, various other related topics. Um, so those are the three methods that we consider and we ended up with the copulas. Okay, so that that's for the process then of getting at um, how to have some uh, desired level of correlation. I was actually, while you were talking about this, I was looking at that paper, the Demeritus uh, 2019 one, where you effectively first generate data from standard uniform um, for each of them. And then you sort the one of the columns in ascending order. And then just a fraction of the bouldering was randomly picked in a way to arrive at some desired level of correlation. That's interesting. Rather than having what um, generating like multivariate normal data, like a specified covariance matrix, and then what looking at the uh, the CDF of the marginals, right, to then get your your uniform distributions uh, with some desired covariate structure. Uh, this one is just entirely based on this ranking. It's kind of I never never seen that before. Um, okay, so that's how you arrive at doing the trying to get these ranks uh, and then the correlation between the ranks. Just to get a sense though, here you have two sets of ranks you're doing for each simulation, right? You have qualifications and then the final round ranks. Yes. All right, and so like in the qualifying, there there are, you, you have it, um, what, a lower and upper of one to 20. So there, is there like, that, that's to say there's 20 climbers. Yes, exactly. Ranked. Okay. Yeah. And then in the final, then the top eight make it to the next. And so just for me to understand this then, um, you are, are you generating then the ranks of the qualifying round and the final rounds independently of each other? Yeah, so the answer is yes. So you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, we only account for the um, within round correlation, but not the between round correlation. Um, so obviously we can make, um, a simulation study, like even more realistic and account for the correlation between the qualification and final stages, like you said. And I think in order to do that, um, I think a reasonable thing to do is to um, just look at the people that advance to the final, then just compute the rank correlation between their final results and the qualification results in terms of placements. Um, so I think in, in this case, um, that there would be like, uh, an overall correlation for the whole Olympics, which can be sort of I guess, decomposed into a within round and a between round correlation. <laughs> this is sounding like a Nova language, but um, um, so yeah, if we want to stick with the, the our current methods of copulas, I would imagine there are some, I guess, some, some methods that we can use to accomplish this. Or I, I even want, I wonder if there's any, uh, if there's a, there are any other ways to do this, like some sort of I don't know, state to state or like sequential. I was actually thinking the um, 
and maybe this maybe this is related to um, the data issues potentially of just even sampling of observed values of performance right because yeah, yeah. that that would be a way of saying okay maybe there is correlation right which you would assume for someone between their qualifying and final rounds and we're just not going to explicitly do it ourselves but bootstrap what was observed effectively right, yeah. but the 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 best way of actually being able to do it is to have plenty of data to sample from uh yeah. and the um i don't know in this case you know how how much data did you have that was available to you so we we collected data um for a bunch of sort of past competitions that sort of took place between I think 2018 and 2021, um, where the um, the combined format was used to uh, determine the rankings of the climbers. So we, we obviously we got the the, the Olympics data, um, but we also got like continental championships of like those different continents, um, and we also got like the Asian Games and like the Youth Olympics. I think um, we we got those data from like different sources, um, Wikipedia. There's like the Olympics library, like the official web, the official website of um, the International um, Federation of Sports Climbing. Um, and th there's some issues with getting those data as well. I guess I can talk about that uh, a little bit right now. Um, so I was trying to scrape those data. So obviously Wikipedia is easy to do that because it's like HTML and just read that in easily. But for some of the... Um, things on Olympics library. Those are like PDFs. So you got you gotta do you gotta use some other things. So I think I used like the PDF tool package in R to do that. And for, for some other cases, we got literally we got like scanned images. So we can't really like we can't really like scrape those things. Like I mean I don't know if on top of my head of like an easy way to do that. So I mean this is like the rankings is like either eight or 20 or maybe a little bit more than that. So for those sort of competitions, I think I ended up just entering the data by hand just for, to save time, that's it, but yeah. So, so staying a little bit in, in the data, uh, so for a, a single uh, climber, how many data points on, on average did you have? So I'm trying to see whether what, what yeah. Ron was saying is possible because ideally you want the distribution for a for a climber on the performance on its event and then you can sample and pretty much has all the correlations uh, in there right it it will end up uh, giving this uh, as a result so for one climber I, I don't know the answer off the top of my head but not a lot i don't i think because they're like these are like lists of i think different people as well um competing so for like one specific climber we, we we don't get a lot of historical results on them um but yeah so that i guess that's one of the challenges yeah too. yeah um actually i i want to stay um a little bit on on uh, the simulation um and you you mentioned the correlations that you considered in the uh, you know, follow up um, paper that you, you did in a, for the journal. The question I had though is whether the un the assumption of the uniform distribution for the rankings 
um, is any any sort of uh, restricting because for example you know you could have elite climbers that are very separate in terms of skill from the rest and then you know the the rest of their cohort is either uniformly or still there are uh, different clusters of skill uh, so it's not necessarily a uniform um, so do you think that that if the distribution of the rank uh, was different would it change any of the um, of the conclusions from the simulation make the conclusions stronger weaker any any thoughts yeah so you, you're right we, we could always make the simulation more realistic but we, we what we're essentially asking over here is that we were asking a question about what the scoring system would give um, if all competitors were completely equal. So that's why we, we made the uniform assumption. But yeah, if we want to, we wanted to make the simulations close, closer to reality, we, we could do what you're, what you're essentially suggesting. And, and yeah, so I guess, I guess going back to your question, um, not considering the uniform assumption and assume that the climbers have like different skill level, I think that would definitely give us like stronger conclusions, but sort of better estimates of like the predicted scores and things like that. So you, you, you're absolutely right. Yeah, we, we could definitely make it more realistic, but we just like to assume it uniform for our paper, so. Cool, the, um... Costas, if you, if you don't have any other questions like on the method side, the, uh, actually one quick question that would be just useful for uh, people listening, if they have not heard of this, um, you use Kendall's correlation uh, in this manuscript and could you just briefly explain why that was the appropriate choice? Okay, so to the listeners, um, so the type of correlation that you probably like encounter in your intro stats class is, it's called Pearson correlation, which is which is a linear correlation. It measures the um, linear association between like two continuous variables. For our case, we have um, ranked data. Um, so th there are sort of two common ways to measure this, um, I guess, or ordinal association. These are both um, non-parametric methods. So we have um, Spearman correlation. It's, it's, it's Pearson correlation using the ranks of the data. Uh, and, Spe and Spearman measures like the strength of the um, monotonic relationship between the variables. But, but however, we chose Kendall's because like the, the idea behind Kendall's tau sort of makes the most sense here in our case. So Kendall's is uh, based on the concept of concordance and discordance among two sets of rings. So concordance means that um, the changes in the x's and the y's, I guess, of two data points are sort of in the same direction, whereas for this coordinate, it's like the opposite direction, the reverse direction. <clears throat> so we, we want to measure, we want to measure like the, the agreement or disagreement for, for paired data, which in our case, the rankings of, of any two climbers in our data. So obviously here, a, a positive kind of correlation would indicate that the ranks about climbing events sort of increase together, while a negative Kendall's correlation indicates that the rank of one variable um, increases and the other one decreases. And, and also, I guess, in terms of the properties of Kendall's tau, it is kind of similar to um, what you would have for like Pearson. Um, so it, it's in the range of negative one to one. So, you know, one means that the, the agreement between the two rankings is perfect. Um, 
So the two rankings are essentially the same. Whereas um, if it's um, negative one, then the disagreement between the two rankings are is, is perfect. And one is like the reverse of the other. And as a value of tau equals zero means that I guess um, we would expect um, to two variables to be independent of one another. So I guess that's an overview of Kendall's tau. Thanks. The, um, so just following on that, the, uh, you listed the values. Um, so women's climbing event, Tokyo 2020, uh, was your case study in this paper. Uh, and so then the, the observed Kendall rank correlation between bouldering and lead climbing uh, was 0.526 on the qualifying and then 0.214 in the final rounds. Uh, so I guess that, that's even a display there, right, of, okay, the selection of going into the upper tier of the athletes in the final rounds and how then I guess that goes into a weaker correlation. Um, but what, what, what was the correlation values with speed climbing with each of those events? Yeah, so I think between speed, bouldering, and speed and lead, they're both sort of weak and negative correlation. Don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it's like around 0.2 or 0.3. Those are like four, I think, four qualifications. But uh, we, we chose to, to make speed sort of completely independent of the, the other two concentrations um, when doing the simulation because so when we were trying to implement the second version of, of uh, our paper, the Demirtus simulation method, it only applies to bivariate data. So, I mean, that's already the name of the paper. So, so assuming speed independent and only have a correlation between like lean bouldering would make things sort of easier for us. And if we want to specify the like a correlation structure for those three variables together, then it, it's like way more complicated using the, the Demetrius method. And I, I think the results from like significant tests for correlation also shows also show that there's no association between um, speed and the other two. But, but I guess- you, no. I was gonna say you even have there in what section 1.1, the background of climbers saying that speed climbing is its own sport in comparison to these. So that, that's just, okay, background knowledge indicating, hey, we don't believe there should be any correlation between these. And so if we make that assumption, I right, uh, right. generate the data for the lead and boulder climbing under some, you know, under some correlation structure, uh, how does this then compare to the performances? And like that, that figure one makes it pretty clear in terms of like the impact it would have if someone is just good at the at the skill that uh, is independent of the other two that they are not going to you know place well or you know win a medal at, at the end of the day just because it is so much different than the other two yeah can i say something say something real quick um yeah. so i guess now what with like the method that we ended up with the copulas we can actually specify the exact correlation values when sort of cal calibrating the copula, um, rather than just putting zero for like the other, the other, uh, the two correlations. Because for this method, it, I guess it's more flexible than the Demetrius methods, where we, we we can like create like an array or like a matrix of correlation values. Yeah. So we need to replace these zeros with like the Kendall's tiles, sort of representing the relationships between speed and bouldering and then speed and lead that we observed in the data. So 
so I mean our code is out there. So if you if you're a listener, um, you want to check that you're interested in doing this, feel free to dive into it too. So. Oh, great. Um, so uh, that's um, uh, that's actually an interesting uh, uh, approach and, and a, a method that uh, can be useful in many uh, other projects uh, that I have in mind. But I had I had a question about some of the results that that you looked, um, you know, specifically for the, the this case study where uh, you know you uh, you focused on the probability of winning a medal, um, you know, given that you win one of the three disciplines, right? Now, it one interesting thing, which might not be interesting, that, that, that's why uh, I want to ask if you thought about it and for some reason, you know, you, uh, it didn't make a lot of sense is, what if, what, how important is to know whether if you place at the bottom half of one competition, because for, let's say the speed, which is uh, uh, not correlated with the other, what are the chances of actually winning um, a medal? Right, that's kind of the opposite uh, way to look at it. Questions like you said, like in addition, obviously, to the probability of advancing and winning a medal, given that they win any event. So things like you know, if, like you said, if you finish last in the speed event or in any event, what is the probability that you advance? Or like if you win any event, what is the probability that you actually fail to advance? <clears throat> but I mean, ultimately, we we decided not to include everything. Just so instead of just instead we just show the probability of winning, given you win any discipline, it's like an example of the type of question that our simulation results like allow us to answer. And that's also one of the nice nice things about our simulations, I guess, is that we can use to it to sort of answer a lot of interesting questions related to probability and scoring. And obviously, again, our code is. Are probably available on GitHub. So if you're a listener and you want to answer something like, say, I don't know, if you win exactly two events in qualification, how often do you not qualify for the finals? I mean, I, I just made that up. So the answer is probably never, but I don't know. There might be one or two like rare cases where you don't qualify despite winning two disciplines. And you can even like twist things a little bit and get the probability of, and like the expected placement for someone who goes like, Say a one eight and eight in the final, but you get first one. You know you won the first event, but you you sort of finish last in the other two, so something like that. But yeah. Okay. The um. So. It'd probably be good to just even give an outline of like the actual results you observed when looking at the case study. And so, okay, so uh, yeah, is there a simulation or is it the 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 correlation stuff? Let's go to the the correlation stuff, and then also just looking at. Um, so figure five even, right? So you have three variables of performance, right? For these three different competitions, you have the, the racing time for the speed climbing, the number of successfully completed boulders uh, for boulder climbing, and then the number of holds reached for lead climbing. And so I just wanna start one question first is, you know, um, 
why did you decide to use PCA for for the projection here? Because there are only three variables. So I'm, I'm curious, what was the justification for that? So this is one, one, literally one reviewer had the exact same question as you as to why do we use PCA? Like, is it necessary to use PCA? And we, we get it. So we, we, we kind of like, it, this is like, oh, we kind of overkill it here, but we, we sort of understand these concerns regarding using PCA because obviously it is used as like a high dimensional reduction methods where you, you usually go from like hundreds or thousands of columns to like a small number of components. But however, in our case, we're only re reducing like three dimensions down to two, but we chose to include the PCA in our papers simply for like database purpose. Because that one biplot that you were looking at earlier, figure five, clearly sh like shows like how closely related the, the two other. the two events we in Bouldering are and database is my response to this. So we, we love that figure, I guess. So. Yeah, so I mean, just looking at that figure myself, the, the thing that's true, right, is like, it does have the main takeaway message of like when people interpret biplots, which are incredibly useful visualizations of your actual projections in your lower dimensional space with the, um, you know, the, these loading vector displays of the different variables, right? And saying, okay, lead holds and bull tops, their vectors are pointing in similar directions, right? They are highly correlated to each other, right? Then speed time is a 90 degree angle. Here is this display, which is this nice simple indication that based on the observed data, it appears that speed climbing is orthogonal to lead and boulder climbing. Right. So even though I had to like hold myself back of why were they doing PCA with three variables, <laughs> the biplot, I will admit, gets the nice takeaway. Uh, just just throwing it down there. The, um, yeah. And so, I mean, you can see then here, too, is the fact that the people that qualify are all people then right with the contributions right. from lead and bold uh, versus. Uh, how they did, how they worked in, in the speed climbing, necessarily. Yeah, so I guess one obviously the implication here is that we have sort of one event being counted twice. It's like lead and bolting are similar. Um, so obviously this this sort of competition format is it's like so stacked against speed people. Um, and obviously like, that first component, it's like mostly driven by lead and bouldering. And most people that qualify, like you mentioned earlier, are like speed, speed and bouldering specialists. If you look at like the, the lower, the right, lower right 90 degree corner, those two people, Jobert and uh, Miroslav, those are like first and second for speed in qualification, but they finished like 17 or 18 for the other two events. So it's a very interesting figure here. Yeah. So I, I um, have a 
question, which is more explaining uh, a few things that I found interesting, and uh, you know, maybe it's also interesting for our um, listeners. So, um, what I found very interesting is the, this independence of irrelevant alternatives in social theory and it, the relationship it has with uh, Lewis's choice action. Uh, so, if you could explain it, you know, in in, in simple terms, and um, because I think that my, that is relevant to many other ranking problems, and you know. For example, ranked choice voting, uh, which is uh, uh, something that it's uh, becoming a more and more uh, a point of discussion whenever we have uh, elections. And um, I, even though I, I know, I understand that it was not your objective in, the, in this work to recommend any ranking approach for um, you know, similar situations, is there anything that um, you think might work better? So yeah, first of all, Let's talk about the uh, IA independence of um, irrelevant alternatives. So, in short, my definition of this is that the the rank orderings um, should not change if a losing candidate is removed and the scores are sort of being are recalculated. <clears throat> so, suppose we have a competition and say we have two players one and two. Let's say player one finished uh, in the first place. Player two finish behind one, and two is later disqualified and removed. So in, in theory, one should still win. That's the IAA. But so in other words, if the original winner one loses the the sort of modified version of the competition with two being dropped, then the IAA has been violated. And so the IA is obviously helpful in answering questions like, you know, what would happen to the overall placement if a person is disqualified um, and dropped out and the scores are being recalculated? And obviously we found in, in our paper that um, there's, there's a clear example of violation of the IAA. So I think this, this was on the uh, 2018 Youth Olympics Women's Finals. And so, this is the case where we dropped the fifth rank climber, um, panel five, figure seven, and you want to follow along. Um, so the, the person that finished fourth over in real life uh, would jump sort of two spots there to take the silver medal after we dropped the fifth rank climber. Um, and the actual silver and bronze medalists would now be in third and fourth places. And we, we, we find this to be, this is like insane. And the great, the way Greg describes this is that, imagine like in two different universes, one with this person being included and one with them being dropped out. The person that originally finished in fourth place with like the exact same performance would either fall short of winning a medal or win or like, bring home a, a silver medal in this case, which, which is crazy. So that's the IAA. And your, your other question is about um, the other type of ranking systems. Like you mentioned rank choice voting. Um, obviously, we, we, that, that's not the goal of our paper, like you said. But so there's actually a good um, paper sort of included in our references. Um, written by, I think, Parker's, the name of the first author in 2018, they sort of examine um, different types of scoring um, 
Um, so they, they try things like um, geometric mean, geometric median, some sort of optimization, like linear programming or integer programming, things like that. Um, and so I think they ended up with some sort of merged or combined method of those, of a bunch of different scoring systems. Um, obviously there are like a tons of voting system out there. So like Costas mentioned, um, there's ranked choice voting, there's like board account is like a popular one. Um, and I mean, if you go to like a, a, the Wikipedia page of like electoral voting systems or like tons. So I, I think that this would be like a very interesting project to work on just to, I don't know, examine um, a bunch of different types of um, voting systems and try to see, you know, whether there's, there's a violation of the IAA or some sort of like transitivity properties of rankings. This, this, this could be something fun to do. I don't know, for maybe CMSAC camp students. I don't know if you want to design something that um, it is like not a traditional, you know, sports like baseball or basketball or hockey or soccer, but I don't know, but that's just crossed my mind. So. Yeah, no, it is interesting because it's like, I like I interpret it as it's an irrational system. <laughs> you could have this change in the final rig. It doesn't actually make any sense. <laughs> it really just doesn't make any sense. So it has been changed, though, right? Since then, since you started doing this, it's no longer the case that speed climbing and, you know, is lumped together with the other two and this product is used as the ranking, correct? Yeah, so I think in 2024 for the Olympics in Paris, France, they're gonna have um, a separate event for speed and lead and bouldering um it's like a um biathlon now i guess two event format with one set of model for that and one separate set for speed so i mean that that's like consistent with what we show in your paper too like clearly there's like a difference um like lead and bouldering are essentially the same event where speed is like very different from the other two so Cool. The um, Costas, do you have any other questions or comments about the paper? No, I think uh, overall, I, th I thought uh, the, um, you know you started by saying it was uh, that Craig thought it was simple, but I, I think simple is n not necessarily bad. I thought that it was a very simple paper with a clear, concise you know message, and I I, I think a, a method that can be useful to other. Um, you know, simulation studies, you know, someone can actually learn from, from, from this approach. This has that idea. I think I already talked to Greg like a few weeks ago. It would be cool to write some sort of review paper on like generating data with like a specific correlation structure. Like obviously there's like the, the Minutus methods we have here, copulars, there might be some other things out there that we should try. So obviously this is a very interesting topic as, as we sort of worked on this paper and we, we, we sort of found it to be very interesting. So. Yeah. I'm going to say player on field performance and usage might be a good example to think about there. Uh, so 
yeah, I, yeah, I don't have any other questions about the paper. I thought it was great. The, um, I mean, it's just fun because it's also something very different than what you typically see being done and just an interesting study of such a strange <laughs> sports scoring system. It's just completely ridiculous. The, um, but I'm glad it's changed since you started working on this, which is nice. Um, so want to talk briefly about uh, news that literally uh, came out today on the wide world of Twitter. Uh, and if you could talk a bit about this, since you are a co-maintainer of the new CRAN task view for sports analytics. So I've got to ask first, just explain what that means. Okay, so for the listeners, if you are an R user, so CRAN, C-R-A-N, stands for the Comprehensive R Archive Network, I think. And so it obviously contains like the current and previous versions of R itself. It also contains uh, like source code for different R packages. So essentially, if a package is on CRAN, you can use like the install that, that packages function in R to install them directly from there. Um, so, but now let's talk about the CRAN task view. So the goal of the entire CRAN task view um, initiative is to have like different task views on various individual topics. <clears throat> so within a task view, there are um, short discussions of like functions and packages that are on CRAN, like showing users, you know, what's out there, what's available, maybe like the state of the art, like papers and research related to a specific topic. I, I think there's one for like Bayesian, one for like NLP, one for design experiments, et cetera, and many more. And so we, um, so Ben Balmer, um, myself, and Gregory J. Matthews um, started um, a crane task view for sports analytics. And so Ben has been wanting to do this for a long time. I mean, since um, crane task views been around for a while now, but he kind of put it off, put off the idea a little bit. And then not until last year when was when he started thinking about this again, <clears throat> since we're actually working on something else related to this. And then, I mean, still after several years, nobody has made one for sports analytics. So Ben just reached out to Greg. Greg's like, hey, I have a student who might be interested in these kind of work, you know, open source and sports analytics, things like that. So we went ahead and like get a bunch of info on like, or sports packages in R that are available on CRAN. And yeah, it, it was made public literally earlier today. So I guess we're taping this. It's Wednesday, May 18. It's about three o'clock central time where I'm at. Um, so if you're an R user and you're interested in sports analytics, feel free to check out the CRAN task view. You can go to the link somewhere, cran.r-project.org slash view equals uh, sports analytics. Um, and we hope you find it useful and um, feel free to give us some suggestions. If you find like new packages or if any package is no longer available, uh, feel free to um, submit a pull request um, or create a new issue on GitHub or contact us, uh, the maintainers. We're happy to take your suggestions and um, make those changes. So I guess that's my uh, plug. Yeah, no, I'm just going to say like this completely rendered what I had set up for like uh, 
summer program of like list of package resources for students to check out. This has made that obsolete because this has everything I had on there and way more. Uh, and, I, and I actually didn't even know, th th I'll be honest, like this is the first time I've heard of the Crantaskia. I had no idea this was a thing. <laughs> and like, I, you know, I'm an R user <laughs> all the time, but I, I didn't know this was a thing. And I probably should have, because this is really useful. The um, various different like collections, like is the way to think of this is effectively like collections of packages related to similar topics. Right. Yeah, so we have, of course, in there, the team colors package. Uh, <laughs> Greg and uh, Ben, the, um, and you know, I mean, that's just in the general sense. And then all these different sports specific packages throughout it. Uh, very cool. I actually, oh, there's a package for accessing Strava activity. I did not know that was there. Huh. Interesting. Cool. Well, I think with that. Um, Can I give a few shout outs before we end? Yeah, sure. All right. So. First and foremost, so obviously my time at Loyola is over, but I just want to take a moment to acknowledge um, the man, the, the legend, I guess, the volume tweeter, the tenured professor, Gregory Matthews, for, I guess, all the help that um, he's done for me and trying to get me involved with these sort of projects for sports analytics, which is great. Um, and I actually have a shameless plug as well. So Loyola just started the new master's in data science program. So um, if you're interested in, I don't know, coming to Loyola and dealing with Greg Matthews, you could visit <laughs> uc.edu slash data science, I think, and apply. It's a great program here. And second of all, um, I, I would like to obviously thanks you guys, um, the Carnegie Mountain Sports Analytics Conference for the opportunity to present this work. And obviously I really appreciate all of the review of feedback, um, which obviously um, resulted in like a huge improvement in the paper. Um, so thank you to Ron and the other uh, organizers of the conference. Um, yeah, and really looking forward to, um, I guess, the next few editions of the CMSACS conference. Um, and now, I guess, just, I'll be coming to Carnegie Mellon as well. So, I'm really excited to hopefully get involved with all of the sports analytics initiative there. So, what you guys are doing at Carnegie Mellon is amazing. So, thank you all. Yeah, and I, for one, am excited for, for you to, to be joining us. So, yeah, thanks to Kwong for taking the time out of his day to talk about his paper uh, and his work. And you should definitely, uh, you, know, you know, we'll post various links in the show notes, but you should definitely pay attention to Kwong and uh, future work that will happen in the years ahead. And so with that, uh, thanks again to Kwong. Uh, thanks to co-host Costas. And uh, thank you all for listening and Make sure to follow us on Twitter uh, to stay tuned for info about the next episode, which hopefully will be taking place much sooner than the gap that there was between this episode and our last episode. 
um, much to blame to, for me for this whole uh, uh, writing a dissertation thing that was taking place. Uh, turns out that takes a lot of time, but that's over now. All right. With that, thank you all for listening. See you next time.